This is Paul. What a deal, Paul. It's just you and I. For now. Just you and I. Just you and I. Well, see, so this is I, this is why I appreciate it when it's just you and I, because you get all yeah. romantic on me. I do. I do. Not when, I do, no, I no he, he, you don't treat me the same when Wayne's around. Well, you know. And Andrew I, gets all your attention when he's yeah, around, because he's got the, that, he's got hair. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, that's, that guy, full head of hair. Flow, flowing locks. Yeah. That's what, yeah, it's, it's, it's like dating Fabio with Andrew. <laughs> Fabio. No one under the age of 40. Well, no one under the age of 40 listens to this podcast anyway. So that's a joke that everyone got. Uh, uh, I was thrilled this week, Paul. Thrilled. No. Oh. To see that uh, this League of Super Pets movie is coming out yeah. and the, the range of talent that is associated with it. Right. I mean, this feels like a real animated feature not you know one of the direct to home things that uh that dc typically does which you know for the most part i enjoy but this looks like something that's going to get butts in seats yeah it's got um they you know so this week the rock dwayne the rock johnson announced that it would be um him as crypto uh kevin hart as ace the bat hound uh, vanessa bayer john krasinski diego luna um, Nat- Natasha Leone and um, Keanu Reeves. Oh, and Kate McKinnon. Like it is an all-star cast. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. I, I would prefer in my animated films uh, that actual character actors, you know, voice talent, voice actors, you know, do that work. But I like the idea that they've put so so much star power behind this to really elevate the dc animated features i mean i'm i'm really excited about this film oh me too i think it's you know the the fact that well one the rock is is behind it his seven bucks production company is behind yeah. it so there's there's some money behind it um you know it's been announced for may 20th 2022 so we're just under a year away and mm-hmm. I, you know it, it seems like they're really gonna put some effort into it so i'm, I'm excited about that they're you know yeah. it's like you said it could have been throwaway entertainment and uh you know it, it given the content it, it certainly seems like when they first announced it it would be but when you you've got a solid cast behind it for sure right yeah no it, it looks sharp I'm, I'm really excited about it who is uh keanu reeves playing do we know no the, the only ones we know for sure are the rock and kevin hart and you know to your point i, I like i generally like voice actors more than i like actor actors but the rock right, right. and kevin hart though you know it's them all the time their voice work has been really good you know the rock was in moana kevin hart was in the secret lives of pets so i guess his his lot in life is to play something small and fuzzy um, <laughs> just but, like him just like himself and you know john krasinski you know I, i'm i'm on a little bit of a john krasinski high because i saw the quiet place part two yesterday oh it's good it was really good it was re- i mean if you like the first one it, i haven't it's, seen it, the first one. Oh, aaron it's a it is it is a it, it is very tension driven like it is edge you know edge of your seat the entire time you know watch it in a in an environment that you can keep quiet because the whole, it, the sound is uh is so key in those movies so highly recommend if you haven't seen quiet place one see it and then see quiet place part two yeah i i, I i've been looking to see where it's where it's streaming and i think i'm actually gonna have to rent it because i don't think it's on anything that i've got but uh i, I keep meaning to watch it i i don't when it came out, 
my wife didn't want to see it, so we never saw it at the theaters, The Quiet Place 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've just never caught up to it. So I, I just, it's one of those things I need to see. And I really like John Krasinski. Um, you know, I like him uh, both as, you know, a, a celebrity person talking in the world as well as, you know, him on screen. So yeah, he seems uh, very grounded. He seems very nice. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, he, he's, he seems like someone that I don't mind supporting. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it, so I, I would say it's worth the four dollar rental for sure. Um, yeah. It's a really, really good movie, and uh, you know this. You know, since we're talking about horror, did you see? Um, you know, I think it was last week, as, as of the time of this recording, that uh, the Conjuring, the Devil Made Me Do It, is now in theaters and on HBO Max. I watched it Friday night, the day it dropped. Okay, I, I didn't watch it Friday night. I watched it this past Wednesday. Um, but what'd you think? I hated this movie. I hated this movie. Uh, literally the best thing about the film, the end credits. And I'll come back to that. Uh, the, the movie, and it's really sort of my, my sense of all of the conjuring slash Annabelle movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not scary enough for one. Um, yeah. you know, the conjuring's rated R and I, and I, uh, conjuring part three anyway was rated R. I don't understand why. No. I don't either. I, I, I legit don't understand why. I, it, it seemed like a PG-13 to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't need gruesome and gross, but I need scary in my devil movies. Yeah. And at, at no point was I afraid in this film. And I and there's a, there's a lot of things I felt like they just did wrong. Now, the, the Conjuring films are based on, are based loosely on. <laughs> Especially the, this third one. Yeah, you know, I would say more so than the others, you know, they, they, the 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 Conjuring movies themselves. So not the Conjuring universe. So right. your Annabelles, your La Llorona's, your nuns, that shit's all fake. But the Conjuring movies themselves are supposedly based on true stories. But you know, they, and I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I just but you to did, say, Paul. I did, um, <laughs> because this one specifically felt totally fictional to me. Well, and that's that's the thing that I felt was unnecessary because, you know, this was based on, you know, an actual case mm-hmm. uh, and involvement of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And instead of following the main story, which is Arnie Johnson, and this was a real life situation in which you know, there was an Arnie Johnson. Yep. Arnie Johnson did murder a man. Arnie Johnson did try to plead not guilty by reason of demonic possession. Um, it became a whole thing in the, during the 80s and the satanic panic. That was a whole thing. And that, I think, would have been an interesting film. My objection is that we follow the investigation of why? Why did Arnie Johnson get get uh, a demon? Why did that demon, you know, uh, jump out of the kid that they were that they were exercising and it got into Arnie and why? And so we create this whole thing about Satanists and uh, them, you know, a, a witch giving a curse. I it was the biggest piece of crap. Um, I mean, you, you know, what's the actor's name who played the old retired priest? I can't remember his name. He was in. Uh, oh, uh, John Noble. He was in the yeah. Fringe. Yes, and he was great in Fringe, and he was he was really good in this. Except that the minute he shows up on on screen, you're like, oh yeah, this guy's involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's crazy. Like yeah, he, this, he, this guy shows up as crazy. Yeah, this guy's got some stuff going on. Yeah, and I I was 
I went back because it's been a long time since I I read anything on the Arnie Johnson case, and so I, I went back and I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, all of this much more terrifying yeah. than what they did. You know, I, it, it it just it was a bunch of and don't get me wrong. I mean, I I think uh, Ed and Lorraine are probably full of crap, but uh, the film just went so far off into superpowers yeah. versus you know the the full powerlessness in these situations and that's what's so terrifying in devil movies and there was none of that present here and you know one of the things that drove me crazy in this movie here we are in prison we're in the, we're in the sick ward and the prison allows his girlfriend to come and sit with him in the prison ward while he's on trial for murder uh, yeah yeah i just Good lord, it was a terrible film. But the, I said, best part of the movie was the end credits. Best part of the movie was the end credits because after the end of the movie, they show you real footage from Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they show they play real audio from the exorcism that they performed, and they they give you real details about the trial and all of these news clippings. I'm like, this is the film I would have liked to have watched, not the one they gave us. Oh, it was bad. Yeah, it, it, you know I. I'm of two minds on these Conjuring movies. And we promise we'll talk about something comic-related here in a minute. <laughs> but there was a Conjuring comic last week. I haven't read it yet. No, um, nor have I. What? Nor have I. Uh, um, but, you know, the, the thing about this Conjuring series is that generally I, you know, I, they feel like movies that I should enjoy. But uh-huh. the, the, the Conjuring films themselves feel very derivative right um you know i know they are representing cases that have happened but they the conjuring 2 is very similar to the conjuring 1 and the conjuring 1 is very similar to the amityville horror or any number of you know haunted house movies or possession movies and so you know they they felt very you know derivative of other entertainment you know despite being well made you know james wan certainly has done more for horror than most folks over the last 20 years Sure. And so, you know, he, he did not direct this third one. It was directed by the director of The Curse of La Llorona, which is the worst Conjuring Universe movie. I did not realize that that was in the Conjuring Universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the priest in it appears in Annabelle as well. Ah. Um, and so it is just so it, this Conjuring Devil made me do it. I, I was already went in with low expectations and it was just very mediocre and, and much like some of these side stories like I will say, out of all of them, I think the second Annabelle is probably my favorite Conjuring Universe movie of the seven or eight that there I, are. I try, I had not seen the second Annabelle movie, but it, it's out there on HBO Max or Paramount yeah. Plus. HBO I forget Max. which streaming service it is. But uh, I, I, I was like, oh, Annabelle 2's on. I hadn't seen that one, so I turned it on last week. And the when it, when the setup is mom and dad leave town, leaving their kid alone with Annabelle downstairs, I'm like... I think I'm out. That was, Anna, that was Annabelle three. Annabelle two oh, okay. was was the good one. Okay. Annabelle two has Anthony Lapaglia. Um, oh, I don't think I've seen that one either. I must have only seen the first Annabelle. Yeah, Annabelle Creation is uh, is huh. the is that one. Very good, actually. Out of, out of all these films, it's probably my favorite, which isn't saying much. But um, this one just like 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 you said, they delve so deep into the supernatural or super powers, I should say. Right, superpowers is what it was. That at no point did I feel like I was at least with the first Conjuring, second Conjuring. You know, the ghosts were little bit off screen there was possessions there you know things were moving around this one was straight up like 
like you were watching uh, an entirely Super- fictional, you know, supernatural yeah. show. Well, and and it felt like I was watching a less well made, less well written episode of Supernatural. You know, I because I, you know the first several seasons of Supernatural I think are fantastic. Um, this felt like the poor man's you know Supernatural minus you know uh, Jensen Ackles and that uh, that other guy. Yeah, um, Padalecki. Yeah, yeah, you know Walker. Texas yeah, Walker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, and, and the way the film ends, which I'm not going to spoil here because it's still relatively new and, and only available for three more weeks on HBO Max as of the time we're recording this. So if you're interested in checking it out, even despite our review, um, yeah. you know, check well, it out. Well, just fast forward to the credits. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the ending the is so over the top ridiculous. Like in no, you know, it, it is so over the top. Like, hold on, this couldn't have possibly happened at any point in reality because they didn't go to jail <laughs> you know yeah. no one spoke to what you know this giant thing that happened and and i'm being coy about it but it's it is just so unbelievable and just so unbelievable you know that it's like okay you you just basically took some random thing said it was based on the case and and really just invented your own story around it well, and I, I, last last uh, bit of criticism on this is that in the film there are several attempts at exorcism, and none of them look like what an actual exorcism looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things that just drove me crazy. It's like has has no one ever read a book on exorcism that's writing the script to this show? Is there is, is there nobody here who's actually seen The Exorcist for crying out loud? I mean, I, I was just super annoyed. You know, you don't ex- the the Catholic rite of exorcism is not just reading the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again. You know, there's actually the the Catholic rite of exorcism that yeah. exists, and I don't know if you're going to have Catholic priests performing the exorcisms. Maybe they should be reading from the rite. I, yeah, it's like you would think. I'm like, Jesus Lord, there's a reason why you can't exorcise this demon. Yeah, you're not using the right words. <laughs> So Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It is on HBO Max and in theaters right now. Um, you know, it's we're not so recommending it. Yeah, it see, is so bad. <laughs> see Quiet Place. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you want something good, Paul. Yes. If you want something that's just corner to corner, edge to edge, cover to cover good, Batman Earth One Volume Three. That's all I've got to say. Holy crap, this book was so good. My uh, God, where's this book been all my life? Not only that, so this is, like we said, this is the third volume in the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, you know, this is your creative team behind Doomsday Clock, um, you know, series. Uh, and this is the third graphic novel in that series. This is the best one. Yeah. By like of a all lot. Of, yeah. of all the Earth ones. Of all the Earth I mean, ones. not just the Batman, but yeah. Which I, you know, they're 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 advertising it as the last one, and you know that it's 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 hard to say whether it was planned to be the last one or all this Jeff Johns controversy is making it the last one, because it certainly ends in a way that sets up future stories. Uh, so it would be a shame if this is where it ended. But it is so well written, so well drawn. I feel like I'm reading a movie. Yeah, well, and it's so well conceived. You know, the Earth One books are, are were really designed to turn these stories that we've known for eighty years on their heads, 
And this is the first one that I felt like is really successful in doing that. The reinterpretation of uh, Batman's relationship with, uh, you know, uh, Killer Croc. Uh, the the reinterpretation of Catwoman. Um, <laughs> I love that uh, uh, the inclusion of Bat-Dog in this book. Yes. There is so much to love here. Jeff Johns really likes writing scenes where dogs get kicked and then saved. Yeah. Because this is like the yeah. second one in two months. Because Geiger issue one had a very similar scene. Very much. Very much. But, you know, I, I super enjoyed this book. And, you know, some of the prior Earth One books have been kind of a slog to get through. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why I haven't finished that Teen Titans book. Um, this, this, I mean, I burned through this Wednesday night or Tuesday night. Sorry. Um, it was so good. I mean, I, the artwork was great and, you know, it was nice to see, uh, Gary Frank tell a story outside of that nine panel structure he's been using since doomsday clock. Yeah. Um, it was very refreshing to see that here. Uh, not that I felt like he, you know, Gary Frank was stale. It's just he spent so much time in that mode. Mm -hmm. It was nice to see his pencils, you know, arranged differently. Because he's very, at least in the first issue or so of Geiger, he was kind of in that same mode. Yeah. Um, I dug it here. I dug it here a lot. And I, I did not think I was going to like this new Catwoman. I liked her a lot. Yeah, because, you know, at first her design, I was like, eh. But, you know, yeah. about halfway through the book, I was sold. Um, yeah. Now, I didn't like that they adopted the cat and the bat, uh -huh. uh, you know, naming yeah, convention I, from, from I, Tom I, that, that hit my ear as well. I was that like, hit ah, my no. Yeah. Um, but I did like <laughs> that despite that they didn't go down the path of a romantic relationship with them because Batman is in love with Jessica Dent. Um, mm -hmm. And I so I appreciated that about the book. Um, it, it, it really does turn some of the the conventions that we're used to in batman around um like the the fact that i had forgotten and, and you know and so i would recommend because it's been so long if, if you don't remember some of the history perhaps rereading volumes one and two because i had forgotten that the waynes and the um arkhams were connected in this right. series and so right. that was kind of jarring at the beginning and i'm like ah, i forgot about that and so it took me a little bit to get used to it but I mean, there's so much goodness about this book. You already mentioned Killer Croc. Killer Croc is so, so good in this book. Mm -hmm. um, I, like I said, I just feel like I'm reading a movie that I want to see. Yeah, well, and, you know, to your point about it seemed to be setting up for additional books was, was the whole, you know, Batman kept talking, others will come. Mm -hmm. Others will join us. Our family will grow. And, you know, there's that scene at the end where he's got his his Batcave, and I love the or origin of the bat cave in this mm -hmm. book uh makes so much more sense uh, um but you've got like they, they, it's it's a cutaway of the burgeoning team of uh of bat fans. they refer to yeah. as the outsiders, yeah, the outsiders. Yeah. yeah and it's fantastic i i thought this book was outstanding i need a volume four and i don't want to wait several years from it for the next issue i want it now and i don't want a volume four with a different creative team jeff johns right. and gary frank were so they were firing on all cylinders on this book and Gary Frank is always great. You know, yes. I, there's very little Gary Frank that I'm like, meh. Um, no, th this book was just firing on all cylinders and this was just fantastic. And if we never get a follow up to that last page, I, I will be very disappointed. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I won't spoil the last page, but it, it the, the book is just terrific. Yeah. It's just terrific. Pick it up. If you pick no other book up, because this book I think was 15 bucks on Comixology yeah. Unlimited, but if you pick up no other book, pick this one up. This is this is worth your your weekly stipend of comic book money. You know, I've got the first two volumes in hardcover, and I'm I'm now I'm like God. I, I really like this book. I'm you know I'm not buying many hardcovers anymore, but I may have to complete my set. Yeah, the completionist in me is is like yeah. Or do I wait for them to do a you know a great big omnibus? I don't know. No, because you're never <laughs> going to read an omnibus. That's the thing about omnibus. There's they're like too heavy to hold up. Yeah, you don't want that to fall on your face while you're sleeping. <laughs> like my my iPad Pro does, it hits me in the nose. Yeah, you need to you need to put padding around it. That's right. That's right. Well, I just need to wear a, you know a helmet when I go to bed, so you know like like a football face guard thing. Yeah, that's what I need. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and so on the you know going back to the media front, you know, and your streaming services, Loki. Um, you know, it started this week. It came out on Wednesday, a new comic book day for Marvel. Uh, the first episode came out starring Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, you know, kind of setting up, uh, you know, very much gets you caught up, um, which I am surprised that they had that, that they used that much archival footage featuring. Well, they um, used a lot. Yeah. The Avengers actors like Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Like they used a lot of archival footage in this, um, just get you, to get you caught up on which Loki we're dealing with, because obviously the Loki that we saw, you know, traverse the, um, the infinity saga died you know in avengers infinity war so this is this is loki as he was at the end of the first avengers movie where he you know re-steals the tesseract and escapes um, as a result of the time travel in avengers endgame yeah i you know i thought that the you know the cold open which essentially was uh that footage from endgame I thought that was really well placed, and and to your point, I think that what was what was surprising is how much uh, of the archival footage we saw, and we see it as Loki sees it, you mm -hmm. know, in an interrogation room as they you know put it on the overhead projector, which you know I was kind of cracking up about, um, you know the the conceit of the film or the concept of of the of the series is that you know Loki is a time variant, you know he is because he you know escaped in uh, an end game you know into the time stream uh he is a a a, a uh, he doesn't belong in any of the time in, in in the correct timeline and there is a whole governmental agency called the tva the time variance authority uh ensuring that people stay in their lanes right you know you 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 have a set timeline to be in there was a this is i love this backstory by the way that there was a multiversal war mm -hmm. and the uh the these you know three omnipotent time lords uh, emerge and you know condense everything into one time stream and one time stream only and you know the 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 uh they're they have created the tva to function as time cops to keep everyone where they're supposed to be and so when you variant out as loki did they come and get you and they you know will either reset you you know, back to, to the time stream you belong, or they will purge you and just, you know, evaporate you as we see several times happen to people uh, in the show. Yeah. Um, they are, they are nigh omnipotent to some degree in that, you know, in their realm, in the, you know, TVA home offices, which are, you know, Jai Gormas, uh, 
Loki's magic doesn't work. Superpowers don't work there. You know, only the the TVA science works. And uh, so, you know, Loki is forced to listen to what they have to say. And I initially as the as you know, I'm willful. Um, you know, I, I want to I want to push my own desires for storytelling onto the story. And, and so I was I was resistant to the manner in which the story was being told to me. Cause I'm like, you know, I don't need this, you know, let's convince Loki thing. But by the time you get to the end of the show, it really does make the case for why Loki changes, right? Uh, that he is willing to work with these, you know, with the TVA that he is willing to, you know, carve something out for himself because he finally realizes at the end that he can't go back because he died in the timeline, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, he sees he sees himself murdered at the hands of Thanos, and uh, spoilers, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, it, you see that really wash over him. I thought Tom Hiddleston had a terrific performance in he this did. episode because yeah, it really does ride on him and Owen Wilson. And by the way, really enjoyed Owen Wilson in this. I think yeah. they're they're perfectly cast together as sort of buddy cops. Yeah, Owen Wilson was just I mean, he was really a highlight here. And I like Owen yeah. Wilson in general. Yeah. Um, but you know, he his humor really worked here in in that cuz this is basically and and you know, I know you're not a big fan. I found this very Doctor Who-ish. Uh-huh. You know, the time variance authority, you're out of time, you know, we need to fix you. You've got this big sci-fi looking, um, you know, almost looks like an old school 80s painting, you know, uh, of what the time variance authority looks like. Isn't that, I I, I meant to look at this before, isn't that how Walt Simonson represented it in Fantastic Four? Yeah, very similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, with the giant statues and everything, yeah. uh Uh-huh, yeah. I, I and I, you know I love those those issues uh, that Walt Simonson did for FF, and th- that's one of the things I really enjoy about this. I, I I like love that nostalgia. But going back to Owen Wilson, there is an authenticity to his performance in this. I mean, I felt you know sometimes you watch these superhero shows and and you know there there are performances that are not very grounded, and I felt like his was. I, I just I felt I felt very connected to Owen Wilson in this. Yeah. Uh, and, and he see, and, and he was a big contrast to the other folks we see in the TBA. I, I, I dug him quite a bit. Yeah. Same here. It, it, there's, there's a lot of imagination in here. Um, uh-huh. you know, WandaVision had a lot of, uh, a lot of imagination before it eventually turned into something of your more standard, typical superhero type film for those last few episodes. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier very much within the world of what we're used to seeing from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This Loki series definitely starts off as something very different. Um, You know, lots of quirky humor, lots of, you know, way more down the sci-fi realm than we're used to seeing. And that's what I'm I'm curious to see. And I don't recall if this is a six episode series or an eight episode series um you know or what but i'm very curious to see where they go with the story because it it was it's the the first episode i will say had some pacing issues at times Mm -hmm. it felt a little long to me just a a Uh little exposition heavy um because there's really not there's a the the first episode is really just a lot of conversations (laughs) um yeah but i thought that i thought the conversations worked and you know we, we get a reveal that uh Loki is actually D.B. Cooper. 
you know, he's the guy who jumps out of the airplane with the, you know, yeah. millions of dollars. Uh, my only, the thing that jumped out about me in that, cause number one, I thought that was hysterical. Uh, but the thing that jumped out, out at me about it is Loki says, ah, I was a young God then. I'm like, now wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. That was only, you know? that was only yeah. like a hundred years ago. Not even. Yeah. Yeah. I, I come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how old are you? I mean, yeah. Because he should be thousands of years old, right? I mean... Yeah, he wasn't yeah. that young. Yeah. Although yeah. he might have been. It's not like time passes linearly in, uh, oh, you know, in Asgard. It does. <laughs> it does. Or else the Time Variance Authority <laughs> will handle it. So, so you know, first episode-wise, I would say out of the first episodes, um, WandaVision still kind of holds it as far as the strength of first episode. Uh, you know, followed by this, and then I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier had the weakest of the first episodes. But you know, uh, if I were to compare, no, I, I think your I think your assessment is correct. So, Aaron, I'm going to ask you a question real quick before we hop off of this Loki conversation, uh, as it relates to Marvel Cinematic Universe. Black Widow is due out in just a few weeks. Uh, you know, I think it's July Fourth weekend. Will be offered uh, in movie theaters as well as on Disney Plus streaming. And I think we've, we've, we've talked about this. I don't remember if it was on the mics. Will you be going to a movie theater to see it, or will you pay the $30 for Disney Plus premium to see it? It depends. Um, and the, the, in Texas, the governor has removed the mask mandate. Same here. Um, but some businesses are requiring masks. Um, and so like last week when I went to the grocery store, uh, there's a gourmet grocery store out in Fort Worth that we go to, um, they required masks mm -hmm. and, you know, still had somebody there at the door handing you a mask if you didn't bring one in. Um, this week I went over there, I went over there yesterday. They're not requiring masks anymore. If I don't have to wear a mask in the theater, I will see it in the theater and I'll see it opening weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, if I have to wear a mask, I will not see it in the theater. And I don't know that I can bring myself to spend $30 on uh, a streaming thing. So I, I, I may, I, I may, I don't know, but I definitely, I won't go to the theater unless I don't have to wear a mask. Cause I just, I, I don't like wearing them. I was compliant during the mask mandate, mm -hmm. but I don't want to sit in a movie theater with, with, uh, with a mask on. If you go to one of those dinner theater things, you're probably, you're probably pretty sad about not wearing a mask. If you guys have those. We do, we do, I, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, see what happens. I think, I think by that time, everybody in Texas is gonna be, you know, mask free because, you know, I'm, I'm watching it happen week over week, and you know, more and more businesses are like, you know, the the vaccines are out there if you want them. There's there is an ample supply. Mm -hmm. If uh, you're not, you know, give a, I think they're use the time to get their staff vaccinated. Uh, so that they don't have, you know, a, a, a illness issue because, you know, staffing is still in short supply. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think that by that time, it should be clear. Because I, I, my, my personal opinion now is it's on you. If you haven't gone and gotten vaccinated, your sickness is on you. Yeah. You know, I am I am I am I am vaxxed. I, I am ready to go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And yeah, I, I'm not interested, particularly, you know, with it, you know, it's being so damn hot and humid. I'm not interested in wearing a mask. No, I get it for sure. So. You know, I, I will say, um, so I went and saw Quiet Place Part 2 in a movie theater. And uh, look, look at you. Totally recommend. I mean, that, that movie is certainly. Did you have to wear a mask during the film? No. 
Um, but I also went to one of those dinner theater things. But generally, I mean, I've only been to the I've been to the theaters a few times over the last few months, and uh, but I've been going to those dinner theater places where you reserve seats, they space the seats out, like you're right. you're, you're you know they, they they've done that intentionally. Um, but no, I did not have to wear a mask while watching the film, so gotcha. I, I would, that, so that was fine. But I will tell you, for me, for Black Widow, even with all that, I will probably still get it on Disney Plus instead. Because really? if you give me that option of paying $30 and having the ability to have my entire family see it mm-hmm. for $30, including if I want to see it more than once... Like, right. you know, if I want to see it more than once, that's really the most important part. Like, you know, right. r- regardless of sharing Disney Plus passwords or whatever, I'm, you know, if I want to see the movie more than once, I can watch it as many times as I want for $30. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if they took that away, if they're like $30, you only have it for 48 hours, then, I'm, then I'll go to the movie theater. But, you yeah. know, Disney Plus has been, it's $30 and you have it as long as you can watch it infinitum. You know, as many times as you want until Disney, until we basically make it for free on Disney Plus. And well, if that's I, what they offer, then I will do it. I hate to say this. Okay, so mm-hmm. just know that I, I I understand how shocking it is. I prefer watching movies at home. No, I get it. I I do. I I've got a good setup. I'm I, I'm comfortable. You know, I I prefer watching movies at home. My wife desperately wants to go see a movie <laughs> and uh black widow may be the one because i know you know she's interested in it she's you know she is not much of a genre uh person but i mean her whole thing is what the hell's taking so long <laughs> i mean even her who is sort of outside of that whole marvel cinematic universe she wants to know what the hell took so long to get a black widow movie made well, I guess we we, so. we will find out here in a few weeks uh, if, if Black Widow was worth the wait. And uh, later on this year, uh, it was announced this week that the death of Doctor Strange is coming to comic books, written by Jed McKay, who we really liked his work on that Taskmaster series, art by Lee Garbit. Yeah. Um, Lee Garbit, you know, pretty solid artist. It has not been uh, been revealed if this is an in continuity story, but. It, it kind of feels like maybe that's what it is, you know. I mean, which, you know, given Marvel, how long is that character going to stay dead, knowing that we have a Doctor Strange movie coming out next year? Yeah, Multi- Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, Multiverse of Madness. Which, you know, those words were used in Loki this week. They were. <laughs> Not as Multiverse of Madness, but as like, it was madness, a multiversal war. I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We all just kind of looked at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch it? Yeah. Yeah. So this September, the death of Doctor Strange from Jed McKay and uh, and Lee Garbit. And you know, I'm wondering what that means. You know, for books like Strange Academy. So you know, Strange Academy, we have really enjoyed. I. It doesn't seem to get a lot of media play, um, which I find interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Scotty Young, Umberto Ramos. You know, we have praised every issue of this book not necessarily on the show because you know it feels a little repetitious to say the same thing about every issue but we mm-hmm. wanted to talk about strange academy issue 11 um you know because toth has been shattered toth is in love toth is dating shaylee and um you know he he's out after hours studying studying and- he, you know it's it, he, it's the 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 uh, uh the studying doesn't come easy to him you know no. and so he's he's got to be up late i mean he they closed the library on him Right, yeah. because he's he's there after midnight. 
And then yeah. he is well, shattered. Shattered. Not just his hopes and feelings, but his entire body. Yeah, literally, he's shattered. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's made of crystal. <laughs> and so the book is very much a, you know, a whodunit of, of who, you know, they, they bring in a special detective to uh, track down the, uh, the well, assault. Well, and, and be- before we get to the big reveal, mm-hmm. I did not, I, I, I have not read any of the, you know, more modern, recent Weird World books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not know that Man Thing, that, that Man Thing, yeah, Man Thing was married. Yeah, neither did I. I did not realize that that he was married to you know a lady from the uh, from the weird world. So that was news to me, and that he was the father of Toth. Did not know that. Yeah, me either. That was new to me. Yeah, and I don't know if he's his father or stepfather. Um, but I'm I'm assuming it's his father. But yeah, I did not know. No, don't get me wrong. That weird world stuff kind of came up during. I think it started up during Secret, Secret Wars, Wars, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was the 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 retelling of Weird World because yeah. Weird World was an '80s creation, I think. Uh, I that was where I experienced it in Epic Illustrated. Yeah, and I'm not here. I'm not upset that you know. I, I'm in fact, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm after reading this because it 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 um, Evil Cat, Demon Cat, Cat Beast. Yeah, uh, Cat Beast yeah. apparently comes from that book as well. So, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, okay, well, there's some interesting backstory that I might want to check out. But, yeah. all right, Aaron, so you, you said you had some specific words on Strange Academy issue 11. So, the big reveal in this book is that uh, Howard the Duck, private investigator, shows up. Um, I do not care for the current modern interpretations of Howard the Duck. And I am a hardcore Howard the Duck guy. I mean, I I am all about Steve Gerber and Michael Golden's uh, uh, take on Howard the Duck, but the it's the the design of the character that I can't stand. Um, it is he's not nearly as hard talking as uh, Howard the Duck should be. Uh, the fact that he's wearing pants I find disturbing. Uh, <laughs> I I just and you know he is not a duck he is a he's like someone cosplaying a duck right yeah. uh he he is a man in, in with a duck bill i i really hate the way the character is drawn and it's not just umberto ramos cuz you know umberto ramos is is a a terrific illustrator it is the way we have drawn howard the duck for years now and i hate it i hate it yeah, and um, you know it, it. It don't get me wrong. The art in this book is always beautiful because of Umberto Ramos. But yeah. um, the interpret, I was super excited that Howard the Duck popped in. But really, that could have been Leonard Sampson. It could have been any number of characters because there was nothing other than the visual appearance that made that character distinctly Howard the Duck. You know, he was not well, and there, the Howard the Duck that we grew up with. And there was no, there was no commentary about why Howard was the person recruited for this role. It felt to me like they were that they were trying to make Howard the Duck on the same level as Detective Chimp over in DC Comics, you know, supernatural detective. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm I'm on board for that. I truly am. But let's, you know, Detective Chimp is a chimp, right? Yeah. You know, he, he is a chimp that is you know has you know human level intelligence i really wish that it wouldn't be guy walking around with a duck bill 
<laughs> I yeah. wish that it was an actual duck. You know, a little cartoony duck, yeah. but a duck. And I just, I really had had issues with this book or with with the interpretation here of Howard the Duck. And I mean, <laughs> and there are some pages where he looks more like a goose than a duck, and that bothered me too. <laughs> I just really, really, just I, I disliked it. Every time I see him wearing pants and having human legs and having five fingers, <laughs> yeah. bothered the living shit out of me. Well, other than that, Strange Academy, still it's recommended. Still a great yeah. book. Still great loving book. all these characters, the, you know, the core set of characters. And very curious to see how the book will continue to play out, if it will continue to play out. Like I said, I haven't heard much about it, but I also haven't heard it's on the bubble. So I think we're we're pretty yeah, good. I, I really hope it's doing well because I, it is it is solid. Yeah. It is solid. And, you know, the way that the Doctor Strange books have been running... You know, they're doing like 12-issue volumes, 18-issue volumes. I really hope they don't come to a reset on this book anytime soon. Because, again, really digging it. And I'm, I'm, I love the current creative team. And here we are in issue 11. I, I have concerns that, you know, we hit issue 12 and, you know, the creative team changes. Or, you know, here's the thing. I'm fine if we hit issue 12 and they take a few months off. Like, here's, here's season one. Here's season mm-hmm. two. But, you know, keep it the same creative team. Because this book will not work without the same creative team. Agreed. Agreed. It was super good. I, I dug it a whole lot. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, from your non-Marvel, non-DC, we have uh, new issues of Berserker from Boom Studios. Exciting. Yes. It's issue three. Issue three. Yep. Um, Radiant Black, issue five from Image Comics. I'm way behind on that. Uh, as well as Secret Seven Secrets, issue nine from Boom Studios. I'm also Very way behind exciting. on that. I am current on Seven Secrets. Oh, okay. Uh, from Image Comics, we also get you know Jupiter's Legacy Requiem, uh, the next chapter in the Jupiter's Legacy saga from Mark Miller, and instead of Frank Quietly, we have Tommy Lee Edwards on art. Now, which you um, have to read in comic book form since the show got canned. Yeah, since the show got canned, this is the only place you can get your Jupiter's Legacy. That's right. Um, from DC Comics, we have new issues of Nightwing. Uh, or a new issue of Nightwing. We also have the restart of Milestone with Static, Season 1, Issue 1, um, coming next week. Very excited about that. You know me, I am very excited. And even more exciting than that is Tom King and Bilk Evely on Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, Issue 1. I am really looking forward to that. God, I can't wait. I hope it's good. I hope it is as good as I want it to be. Yeah, um, same. And from Marvel Comics, we have the conclusion of Heroes Reborn. Uh, you know, I'll, maybe if that thing ever goes on sale, I'll let you know what I thought of it after issue two Same. burned me. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel com- I feel confident I'm going to read it in Comicsology Unlimited one day. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. And uh, Fantastic Four, issue 33, The Bride of Doom, part two. I'm looking forward to that. It sounds like a good week next week. It is, absolutely. And second, you know, second episodes of Loki. And, uh, you know, maybe Aaron and I will give you our thoughts on In the Heights. <laughs> now on HBO Max. <laughs> and, and if not that, probably Infinite. Now on Paramount Plus. Well, more likely Infinite. <laughs> but maybe, maybe what they'll get is our full musical episode next week. Our long-promised, much-ballyhooed, mm-hmm. and, and awaited, the thing that you demanded... Yeah, funny which Theron and Polly, the musical. It's going to be called Infinite: The Heights. <laughs> Part three. Part three. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought of this week's books. Uh, tell us how bad The Conjuring was. Uh, give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. What a deal. Hey, Paul, it's always nice when it's just the two of us. Yeah, it's, it's better, really. It, yeah, true. 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 <laughs> Unless Andrew's here. Uh, with his flowing hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just, I just like to braid it. <laughs> Sometimes he'll pull it back into a jaunty little ponytail. I like that, too. A uh, man bun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.